There Goes the Atmosphere Written by Miss Molly Etc. And read by God of Laundry Baskets Chapter 2 He only let himself think of it for a moment, but standing on the bridge, staring into the empty space outside the front viewports, felt like a dream he'd had before. He'd had the same shudders up and down his spine and the creeping sense of unease. Cody walked a few steps apart from the bridge crew and folded his gauntleted hands behind his back. He stepped to the side, automatically turning to his left, and corrected himself. There was no one to make room for. He breathed in carefully, measuring his inhalations, and made sure he kept his face as calm as could be expected. No one was here. Cody closed his eyes and saw the ATTE fire. Are you sure you've got the coordinates correct? He asked, opening his eyes and glancing over his shoulder. His stomach gurgled. He winced. He dosed himself up with enough of Obi-Wan's stash that he could walk and see without pain, but he didn't think Paraxia and Baskoff were supposed to be mixed. Worth it, though. A shower and clean armor only went so far to show the troops there was someone still in charge since if Cody was on his own. Yes, sir, Modi said. He stepped up the short staircase leading from the tech pit to the command deck. We checked it twice. Modi shoveled his feet across the metal deck. He'd developed quite a few ticks since Cody had last seen him in the wardrobe before the tree before the 212th had landed on Utpa. Seemed like none of the bridge clones could keep still. Cody looked over just far enough to see Modi's hands tighten into fists in front of his stomach, clenching and releasing over and over. Right, Cody grunted. He turned back to the viewport and listened to the hum from the tech pits surrounding the command deck. Usually, he found it soothing. A Star Destroyer was too advanced not to have sound baffles to block out machine noise, but it also muffled all the other sounds of life on board. Cody preferred the areas where everyone tended to congregate, the mass or the wreck level, where he could hear people. Today, there were too many missteps cut off curses as a navigator, dropped a stylus or a stutter that hadn't been there yesterday. Something had gone very wrong. They'd followed the traitor's plan, brought down Grievous himself, and taken the planet while coping with the chaos of legally executing a trick of removing the betrayer. Oh, criffing hell. Why couldn't he think? It was like every time he tried to make sense, he thought something else that still made perfect sense, but hurt. He fought back a shudder. That soldier Rex had talked about, the one from Rishi, he'd been babbling like that before he'd been brought down, hadn't he? He'd been crazy. 
Cody swallowed heavily and squeezed the bridge of his nose with two fingers. Are you all right, sir? Modi asked. Your eyes are... Cody dropped his hand to his side and straightened up. Try having an ATTE go off next to your head, Sergeant, he said quickly. He cleared his throat. <clears throat> Not even Katarn armor is going to block out that blast. Modi made a sound halfway between chuckle and a hiccup. <laughs> no, no, thank you, sir. I'll leave that to the infantry. Cody tucked his chin onto his gorget. Well, someone has to stay up here and do the math. Modi chuckle hiccuped again, but out of the side of Cody's eye, he could still see him clenching and unclenching his fists. Cody stepped up on Cody's right side, and Cody swung around to face him. There were sweat stains around his high gray uniform collar and dried salt tracks around his hairline. Has there been any word from our forces on the planet? Cody asked. He refolded his hands behind his back. There was still work to do, still brothers down in the fighting on Utapah, he had to keep it together until he could be relieved. Anything from command? Modi shook his head. Squads are reporting even less resistance as they push into Utan's suburbs, Commander. Nerio's squad found a warehouse full of unpowered droidicas, and a half-hearted attempt at sabotaging the generators in the water treatment plant, but the most action happened on the walls prior to our breaking the blockade. It's the damnedest thing, sir. Two or three ships left the surface at most, after that first one got away, and none of them made it past our gunners. What about the detachment from the 501st? Are they still sifting through Hangar 10? One of their medics converted it into a triage unit, sir. We loaded up most of them before hyping to the rendezvous. Modi's hands clenched and then tightened so hard his knuckles whitened. Sir, he said quietly, leaning in towards Cody. All communication with Coruscant cut out as soon as, as soon as our new orders were transmitted. But thirty minutes ago, we began receiving reports from other battalions. I've routed them through to the war room's terminal. Cody frowned and glanced out the viewport. Why? Modi swallowed. I didn't want to transmit them through the main comm hub, Commander. I think you should see them before Scuttlebutt gets around. Cody raised his eyebrows and leaned back. All right, he said. He turned on his right heel and started back down the walkway, Modi at his elbow. He saw some of the crew glance up as he passed, but never for long. A nervous chill lingered in the air, and talk noticeably picked up the further down the deck Cody walked. The squads reporting in want to know if they should maintain their positions or push further into the planet's remaining cities, Modi said, catching a datapad one of the tech clones tossed up at him. He angled the front of it towards Cody as they walked. 
Harajai squad has gathered the native leaders in Hangar 10 and joined up with the rest of the detachment from the 501st. I thought you said they came aboard before we hyped there, Cody said as he took the data pad. He picked up his helmet from the tactical hub with his other hand and put it on. He flicked through the infield statements and nodded to himself. Barlex was being a highly efficient bastard as usual. Just their wounded and their medical personnel, Modi said. They're working with Rivet and, uh, sir? Cody stopped, just outside the door to the wardroom. Yes? It's Lieutenant Nero, sir. He died. Cody dropped the data pad to his side. His jaw began to ache again. What? When? Modi swallowed hard, caught his breath, and clamped his lip between his teeth briefly. Just a little before we came out of hyperspace, sir, he said, ducking his head and leaning in. I wanted to make sure you had the full report before I told you. When the wounded were sent to the med bay, the MDs were tied up almost immediately since Trader Tenoshi was executed. You see, and the ship security airlocked her Trader. And Thonjo, Cody said. The name turned to ice on his tongue. Modi nodded jerkily. He raised his hand up part way, a little helplessly. There weren't enough medics to go around, and he just... Nero couldn't hold on, sir. Cody's head throbbed. He fought back the urge to cover his face and pressed his tongue hard to the roof of his mouth. Tenoshi was dead? She was their only... Traitor. ...healer. And her... Traitor. ...had been... ...had been barely into years coming of age. They couldn't have just... ...lawfully executed... ...their healer in the middle of a major battle. Especially one with the added chaos of... ...lawfully ex... ...of attack... Kill of removing their own traitor. Modi coughed. Cody stood straighter and shook off the haze in front of his brain. Modi stared. Some quirk in the cloning tanks had left him with wider eyes than most of them had, part of being force-grown for so long, Cody had always supposed. They all had stretch marks or outsized bits somewhere. Cody could see the beginnings of red in Modi's sclera. I'm sorry, Sergeant, Cody said. He shifted the data pad to his right hand, put his left on Modi's shoulder and squeezed. Lieutenant was a good man, and a great pilot. Obi-Wan would be upset if, when, he found out about it. Nero had been one of the clones who'd taken him up on meditation lessons during the downtimes between star systems. He'd claimed the focus improved his navigation. He even tattooed the traitor's winged symbol on his right hand in gratitude. We were batchmates, Modi said. His shoulders were twitching up and down. Cody could feel his muscles spasm even through the gauntlet. It was an honor. Cody dropped his hand from Modi's shoulder and let it fall to his side. 
understand, Sergeant, he said. I'll need you to stay in charge until our reinforcements arrive. Modi nodded. I won't let you down, sir, he said. Cody nodded back and turned around. He raised his hand and punched in the first number of the entry code. Sir, <laughs> Moody said behind him and chuckle hiccuped. Cody looked back at him. Yes? Sir, I wanted to ask you about... He trailed off, licked his lips and shook his head once. Before the fight... Some of the soldiers from the 501st were talking in the mess about one of their brothers who died back on Triple Zero. They said he went AWOL because the Caminos had done something to us before we were deployed to the front. They put never pay attention to rumors, Sergeant. Cody broke in, slashing the air in between them with his free hand. You want to live through this war, you keep your head down and your mind on your orders. That goes for every soldier and tech in this battalion. Modi snapped to attention. Yes, sir! Cody turned back to the keypad and punched the rest of the code. Keep scanning for incoming ships, he said as the door opened and he stepped past its threshold. If anything changes, report to me immediately. The door closed on Modi's reply. Cody took off his helmet and pressed his palm to his face. This entire operation was turning into a cripping pile of stang faster than a transdotion's cloaca. The wardroom's fancy meeting comm table gleamed underneath the overhead lumas. Cody twisted the light dial on the wall down to a more comfortable gloom and tossed the data pad onto the comm table. It hit the raised silver metal hollow projector in the center. He dragged a chair over to the nearest access terminal and sat down setting his helmet on his knee. Horse, take it. How was he going to tell Obi-Wan about Tenoshi and often Joe too? Cody ran his thumb over the ID plate and rubbed his forehead with his right hand while the terminal cycled awake. He tapped the blinking report icon and rotated the indicator towards the new files outlined in blue. While it was thinking, he tapped the screen controls and lowered the brightness down by a third. His eyes were starting to itch again. The screen blinked, and then the reports loaded. Troop movements, GAR-wide review changes, educational course offerings, maintenance notifications, nothing that merited any kind of discretion unless Modi thought anyone in the 212th was going to riot over Blaztec's new heat sink attachment for the Ds, he frowned and leaned forward on his left elbow, resting his chin on his fist. The battlefield reports came up. Casualty lists first, as always. Slowly, Cody sat back in his chair and dropped his hand from the touchscreen to the keypad. He scanned through report after report. Every traitor in Gar had been targeted. Some places, some names he recognized from other reports. Majito, Kato Nemoidia, Kashik, New Plimto. The casualty lists were in the thousands, even higher than usual, across battlefields, on board flagships and hospital space stations, and an entire training squadron executed in mid-rim space. 
He didn't think he'd ever seen so many traitors reported dead without their commander's name listed immediately below. They were supposed to go together. He rubbed his forehead, fingertips tracing along the curve of his highest scar. Criffing force. It was true. He wasn't breaking down. He'd followed Order 66. And it had been necessary. But what could they have been planning? He breathed in quickly through his mouth and dropped his hand away from his face. The scope of the car- Conspiracy against the Republic. Was insane. The traitors had their problems. He'd heard Obi-Wan releasing his anger into the Force, one too many times to be believed otherwise. But they weren't loyal. That bastard Krell had only been the beginning. Cody smacked his hand against the keyboard, and the screen flipped back to reports to Felucia, before jumping ahead and freezing on the reports from the Core Worlds. The wait icon popped up. Ark. He was going around in circles, and he couldn't afford this kind of confusion. The 212th was still fighting a blasted war. Cody's jaw popped. He was going to grind his teeth to powder by the end of the day if he didn't get a grip. Obi-Wan wasn't there, and Cody was. There was work to be done. The wait icon disappeared, and the report from Coruscant opened on screen. If Obi-Wan was running from, from him, there was only one place he'd make his way to. Wherever the 501st was stationed with Traitor. Skywalker, the bulk of their force was on Coruscant. If you were looking for one, Traitor. you only had to look as far away as the other. Cody raised his hand touched the screen and scrolled down the list with a shaking finger. The report from the 501st looked like the reports from everywhere else in Gar, except it seemed endless. Starting with the council itself, Apo had raised the temple. A shivering calm settled into Cody's bones. He scanned down the list, Sorted in no order at all, it seemed like. Clone Trooper and Traitor recorded where they were found. He didn't recognize many of the names, but the weight of them bore down on him as page after page came up. His breath sat heavy in his lungs as he dragged it out and in by sheer force of habit. He'd had dreams like this. Obi-Wan would wake up muttering about fire and yellow eyes in the dark, but Cody always woke up convinced he was alone, cold and drowning in casualty-less. He shook his head stiffly. Those sorts of dreams came with command. The price for sending men into battle was the terror of being wrong. Just because that trooper—what was his name— from the 501st, had babbled about them didn't mean anything. He couldn't be wrong. The Order 66 had come from the Chancellor himself, and everyone had obeyed. Cody felt his heartbeat stutter in his chest. Obi-Wan had to be a traitor, but he couldn't be. 
Their men had died for him in their hundreds, and Cody had seen him heal soldiers until he collapsed. And their own whatever it was, their situation, no, no, it didn't make sense. His forehead hurt again, the light too bright. Cody focused. As much as Obi-Wan had hated the war, he was loyal to the Republic, and he was a traitor. A tactician. He wasn't stupid. There had been something, an artifact Obi-Wan had been working with in his off moments. Something that showed the conspiracy about their numbers. The traitors were, there were enough of them to pull off a coup, but not enough to stay in power. And Cody had seen the looks when they landed on the core worlds, or sometimes even the mid-rim planets. Traitors. Were used, trusted, but they weren't loved. Parents held their children a little too closely when they passed. Officials sometimes visibly relaxed when the Traitors. handled logistical coordination off to their commanders. They couldn't overthrow the Republic by themselves, and the Separatists couldn't keep a secret for longer than the time it took to make a hollow-vid news announcement. An alliance with the Traitors would have been publicly exploited. Cody frowned. All of the executions had taken place more or less at the same time. 1400 CST, when Cody had received the Chancellor's transmission. It'd come over his comm unit rather than through normal channels. He kept scrolling, even though Obi-Wan's name couldn't be listed. No one could make the run from Utapa to Coruscant that fast, especially not in a shuttle. He was still alive. Cody was sure of it, almost like he could hear him if he concentrated. Light. Familiar touch brushed against his mind. The same way Obi-Wan always announced himself before chiming the door. He could almost smell the fancy beard oil Obi-Wan pretended he didn't stock up on and feel the weight of his hands on Cody's shoulders, the press of his lips against his neck. Cody stood up, hands sweeping across the computer screen, toppling his chair backwards with a crash. He barely heard his helmet fall to the floor as he drew his sidearm, sighted down the barrel, and swept the room, his breath hissing between his clenched teeth. He swept left and ducked around the side of the table, making sure the traitor wasn't hiding. The room was empty. Cody was the only one there, but Obi-Wan was near, and he had to kill him. The sense of Obi-Wan in his mind pressed in on him like hands gripping both sides of his head, and then the signal flickered. Cody swept back around the table, his right hand squeezing the butt of his blaster, his left hand shaking too hard to stabilize his aim. Obi-Wan had used the Force to alert him before, but never from so far away. Had he gone far away? Where was he hiding? The feel of Obi-Wan came back to him, a barely checked pulse of heat and sorrow that made Cody's entire body break out in a cold sweat, and then he was gone. Cody turned his head towards the direction the feeling had come from, eyes widening at the empty gray stretch of metal in front of him. No. 
He pointed the blaster around the wardroom on autopilot for a final sweep, arms finally steady, even if the rest of him felt like he'd been pummeled by a blasted gundark. Cody focused inwards to slow his breath and began to count his exhalations. By fifty, he'd convinced himself to lower his weapon. At two hundred, he holstered his blaster, forced his hand away from it, and picked up the chair he'd overturned. He hadn't even hesitated. Just drew his blaster, even though he'd known it was an empty room. He'd lost control. Obi-Wan had sensed it, and Cody hadn't even recognized the feeling. Obi-Wan had felt sad. He shouldn't be sad. He fell back into the chair and looked at the terminal. A red dot flashed next to his private comm code, circled in blue. He had a secure transmission coming through. On screen, the Coruscant report had disappeared in favor of the 327th transmission from Felucia. Bly and five other clones in his squad were MAI. Traitor. Secura was unlisted. Cody tugged the collar of his body glove away from his neck and rubbed his thumb against his skin. Sakura was alive, maybe, just like Obi-Wan was, and now he had a calm light to deal with. It had to be Obi-Wan. Cody had felt him just like before, and who else was foolish enough to try to contact Cody now? Cody glanced down at his hands lying in his lap. Well, it wouldn't work. If he answered that, he'd probably wind up shooting the terminal, and then the cripping quartermaster would skin him alive. A hissing chuckle escaped him as his hands met and twisted over themselves. At this point, did it really matter? The quartermaster would be the most mundane part of this entire Nuna-humping day. He sighed. Oh, carket. Cody tapped the blinking light and watched as a holographic comm podium in the center of the table lit up. The projector brightened as a signal connected, and then the hollow of a thin-faced birthborn tech wearing a headset beneath his cap appeared. Cody swallowed and pressed both fists to his caress under the table. Not Obi-Wan, then. Vigilance, come in, Vigilance. This is Gar Imperiator. Do you copy? The tech, a sergeant it looked like, asked. This is the Vigilance, Cody said. Hold for secure communication, the sergeant said. Cody saw the hologram type into something off-screen, and then the sergeant disappeared in a swirl of pixels. The hologram reformed, and this time into a broad-shouldered, older humanoid male, a blasted birthborn again, with a bony face and a short nose. His uniform said military more than his posture did. He straightened in his chair anyway. The pips on his chest told Cody he was looking at a general. Cody paused. That had sounded odd in his head. The man, he was betting on human, but sometimes you couldn't tell, looked over at him and raised both bushy eyebrows. His round chin stuck out a little. Hmm, he said. 
Clone, what's your operating number? It's CC2224, Cody said, teeth grinding just a little. Marshal Commander of the 7th Sky Corps. I'm called- I'm General Kata, the man interrupted. I'll be taking command of the battalion. Cody's back tensed. He felt his shoulders threatening to rise. The general, his new general, stared at him, frowning. Hard to tell from a hologram what a man was like, but his speech was clipped. Pure Coruscanti upper levels, but without the sly poke Obi-Wan gave to his words. Hmm, the general said again, frowning harder. Ordinarily, I'd be informing your commanding officer, but in light of recent events, we can both see that isn't possible. Do you understand? Yes, sir, Cody said. He had a bad feeling about this. My flagship, the Imperator, will arrive at Utba in six hours. I expect you to be waiting for me when I transfer to the Vigilance to take command officially. Yes, sir. Cody repeated. He pressed his hands to his armor plates on his thighs. That was quick. That was damned quick. The general's eyes narrowed. Do you understand, CC-224? He asked. I am in command now. The Imperator will reinforce the 212th on the planet's surface to eliminate the native threat— while the 501st return to Coruscant. You'll have to work out the chain of command with the detachment I've brought with me from Morania. It's CC2224, sir, Cody said. What? CC2224, Cody repeated. The general nodded. I'm sure it is, he said. I warn you now, I'm a military man, Commander. I expect a discipline and order. With the Traitor. threat eliminated, we finally have a chance to win this war, and I am not going to pass it up. No, sir, Cody said, nodding. We'll be prepared. Hmm, the general said, and nodded back. I expect my quarters to be cleared of any Traitor. filth by the time I arrive. See to it personally. He raised his hand towards something off-screen, and the holographic comm unit went dark. Cody sat back in his chair. The side of his head throbbed. Obi-Wan was a traitor. Kata was a general. The difference in his head felt like that time the air filters had failed on Rykelia, and for two hours everything Cody touched tasted like pancakes. He needed to talk to Rex. Obi-Wan had more stashes than a smuggler in his room, and Cody knew about each and every one of them. He found the leftover bits from Obi-Wan's undercover missions inside the hollowed-out blaster case behind a rebreather charging station under the kitchenette sink. If General Kata wanted him to clean out Obi-Wan's filth, then that was exactly what Cody would do, starting right there. 
He stood up from the floor and placed the blaster case on the counter, snapped the latches at either end, and cracked the top. He pulled out the bare false panel and set it aside. He snorted. Obi-Wan had carefully wrapped everything in patterned fabric, held down by straps bolted inside the case. Cody rubbed his thumb between his eyes, trying to smooth out the jab of pain. He unwrapped everything, spreading out the fabric squares along the counter. Obi-Wan stored his less-than-legal equipment in pieces to avoid detection. The round comm unit was easy enough to identify. The scrubbed blaster was clean enough, and he laid the pieces out onto the fabric squares one at a time with his cartridges. Where in the hut's hell had Obi-Wan gotten a Westar 34 blaster anyway? Cody shook his head and unwrapped the comm unit's power booster. It was easy enough to connect the battery to the unit, but the scrambler took a full five minutes to slice into its frequency. Cody rubbed his face and glanced in the direction of the fresher. That mess of wires and shielded chips was so illegal that Obi-Wan could have gotten ten years just for picking it up, much less keeping it. Cody took a deep breath. His headache was coming back. The comm unit's holographic platform glowed blue, with a shifting rim of white and yellow light. Cody tapped in Rex's personal code. Even if he'd been relieved of official command, he'd still retained his rank privileges. Cody picked up the comm unit and held it while the platform's blue light cycled, dimming and brightening as it sought the connection. He shifted his weight from one foot to the other and looked around the room, from his own helmet on its hook near the door to the bed. It felt strange to be in Obi-Wan's space without him knowing about it. Cody hadn't heard from Rex in months. Not since he'd been seconded to special ops and Apo had been given temporary command of the 501st. Rex had been out of the loop for so long, Cody wasn't even sure he knew that Order 66 had been given. But Traitor Skywalker had to have been at the temple, even if he hadn't been on the list. Knowing the Traitors, that meant he'd be trying to join up with Obi-Wan as well. If they were together, then the 501st should hunt them down. He jammed his thumb on the disconnect button and walked to the middle of the room. No, no, this was a bad idea. Cody tossed the comm unit onto Obi-Wan's messy desk and opened the closet. He pulled Obi-Wan's spare clothes off their hangers and dragged his small travel case out. He set the case and the clothes on the bed and unclipped the flap on the top. He had his orders from General... from his commanding officer, and he could call Rex some other time, when he could think more clearly. Rex had access to all the same reports that Cody did. He would already know. It was just Cody refusing to see the truth and falling back on a malfunctioning clone whose name he couldn't even remember to help him believe a lie. Cody picked up Obi-Wan's white undershirt and tossed it in the bag. The carefully mended pants and the belt with the wonky clasp went next. A ragged cough tore out of his throat, and he pressed his mouth against his gauntlet. The Dura-steel felt cold against his lips. 
He hadn't meant that. They were people, not droids. Rex's man hadn't malfunctioned. He'd just been lost. The back of Cody's head throbbed. He let his arm fall, turned and picked up the comm unit. The shifting yellow and white lights from the scramblers encoding were still running. He entered Rex's code again. The holographic interface lit up. He tapped his foot. It didn't matter. He still needed to talk to Rex. General Kata's timing was too convenient. The 212th had barely taken control of Pow City when the Order 66 had been transmitted, and it was barely into the next day. A hard knot curled up and clenched in the base of Cody's throat as the comm unit cycled and kept on cycling. The blue light swirled upwards and then settled back as the encryption flared to knee height on Rex's hologram. Cody stared. Rex's avatar crossed his arms. The resolution was bad enough that pixels started fuzzily around the crown of his buzz cut. Either the scrambler was playing criffing hell with the transmission, or Rex was far into the outer rim. Cody. Rex's voice was the same, just that smallest bit deeper than everyone else's. He tilted his head to the side. I nearly didn't answer. Our unit couldn't tell us where the frequency was coming from. At least he knew the comm unit was working. Cody looked at Rex's avatar. He didn't seem bruised, and he was standing at ease, nothing obviously broken. But his face was too rigidly calm, like he'd been after Umbra. Cody set down the comm unit. The indicator light, showing blue for visual and audio, turned to orange. Wait a minute, you cut out! I'm doing something, Cody said. He returned to the closet and bent down to the locker at the bottom. He opened it. Do you... do you know what's happening? Do they keep you up to date in whatever pile of stang-up you're running? There was a pause, and Cody glanced over his shoulder. Rex's avatar gestured to someone out of sight, and nodded once and refolded his arms. Even from his position, Cody could see the carefully still way Rex held himself. I've read the reports, Rex said. I need you to listen to something, Cody said, forcing the words out. He pulled out two small boxes and a closed bag that clanked when he lifted it. Just, just listen to what I'm going to tell you, and then tell me if you can hear the difference. Rex paused again, long enough for Cody to set Obi-Wan's things on the bed. Cody swallowed and picked the bag up. His stomach clenched, acid swirling up his throat. He coughed again and opened the bag. All right, Rex said, drawing out his words. Cody reached into the bag and drew out one of Obi-Wan's bracers. Traitor? Obi-Wan Kenobi is in command of the Third System Army. General Kata is in command of the Third System Army. He looked down at the bracer with its battered, open-circle fleet emblem, and traced his fingertip across the yellow circle in the space between the separated red arcs. 
Obi-Wan always wore this one and its blank counterpart. He'd pick them up somewhere. Cody couldn't remember. He only remembered the stir it caused below decks. To have a commanding officer who understood what the symbols on a clone trooper's armor really meant. The traitors were usually polite. Most of them could even consistently tell clones apart. But only a few really understood what made the survival stripes and ranking marks special. Cody frowned and held the bracer in both hands. The catches had finally failed on the old thing, and Obi-Wan hadn't had time to repair them before Utapau. I don't understand, Rex said. Cody looked down at the yellow stripes on his cuirass and sniffed loudly. He cleared his throat. Can you hear the difference? He said. The different names? Who the criff is Kata? And what do you mean, General Kenobi is Obi-Wan's a- rank is- Traitor! Cody broke in, raising his voice. Whatever the Kark Kata's rank is general! Cody, he isn't! Cody dropped the bracer into its bag, and the bag to the bed. What did I just say? Rex frowned. I don't like playing games, Cody. Obi-Wan is a traitor. He is a traitor. Kata is a general. He saw Rex swallow, and then Cody closed his eyes. I can't hear a difference, Rex. Silence from the other end of the line. I can feel it if I concentrate, but I can't hear it, and I can't shake it off. The Grand Army of the Republic lawfully executes over half of its leadership, and I know, I know, I I want to know the name of your man, the one fox I had to shoot back on Coruscant. Fives, Rex said, something heavy and a little broken in his voice. Cody turned away from the comm unit and tossed Obi-Wan's boot into the bag. He pinched the bridge of his nose and sucked air in through his open mouth. The bracer bag went in next, and then he took the boots out. He wasn't insane, Rex said. He was cripping hell, Cody. I told you about this. He was right. The damn Kaminoans put chips on our head. They programmed us like carking clankers. It's unbelievable. Cody said, bending down and flipping the blanket up to look under the bed. Kata was going to sleep in this bed, in Obi-Wan's bed. Are you seriously going to argue with me about this now? Rex asked as Cody ran his hand underneath the bed frame. He yanked hard, pulling out the two packets adhered to the mattress slats and leaned back on his heels. He threw the packets on the bed and stood. We were made for the traitors, he insisted. The Kaminoans were contracted by a damn traitor. Why would he, why would anyone do this when the only person who can order us to commit lawfully execute our leader is the... Cody sat down on the bed and the bag leaned against his side. Obi-Wan 
never liked the Chancellor, he said, and swallowed. It could be a ruse, Rex said a little too quickly. Someone hijacking the Chancellor's frequency and mocking up a holographic puppet. He's always been good to General Skywalker. Does it matter? We're still carked. The two twelfths stuck blasting Ks on Utapau, and I've got Obi-Wan's replacement inbound from Mariana. We're not finished yet, Rex said. He saw Rex's avatar take a deep breath. The pixelated top of his head flashed briefly. Is General Kenobi dead? Cody flinched and rubbed at his scar as a burst of pain crackled through his head. He pressed the heel of his right hand to his temple. His eyesight went a little fuzzy. I missed. Rex sagged just a little, armored shoulders hunching forward. He dipped his chin to his caress, and then raised it again. How soon can you rendezvous with me? Give me your coordinates. What? Cody dropped his hand to the top of the bag and winced as his hair caught on a joint in his gauntlet. What do you mean, rendezvous? I can't steal the vigilance. Of course you can't, Rex said. It would attract too much attention. Steal one of the shuttles and we'll pick you up. Cody ground his teeth. I can't abandon the men. He stood and grabbed the comm unit from the desk. The indicator light switched from orange to blue as a holographic camera engaged. You look terrible, Rex said. It's been a rough day, Cody said. Shut up. I've got half my battalion fighting on a dust ball and the other half in med bay. I can't go AWOL. Rex dropped his hand to his blasters, gripping them in their holsters. If your general's just been attacked by his own men, the only place he'll go is back to the temple, he said. General Skywalker was on Coruscant last time I checked in. We need to get them off that planet. I am not leaving our brothers to some birth-born Kowakian monkey lizard. Cody kicked the chair, knocking it into the desk and sending a pile of flimsies to the floor. Obi-Wan's lightsaber kit rattled. Cody winced. It had to be time for another pain tab. Or maybe that bottle of Corellian whiskey he kept in his own footlocker. Rex frowned. He pinched the bridge of his nose with his right hand, and then dropped it back to his blaster. Cody. Rex. Fives was right, Rex said, his eyes narrowing. Someone did this to us. Someone powerful enough and rich enough to make the Kaminoans break a contract to decide to take our criffing minds away from us, to make us clones nothing but droids. If we're going to stop them, we need to work together. I need your help. I... Cody trailed off in a hissing rush of air. His stomach sank, twisting in on itself. He shook his head. I've got my orders. I'm a good soldier, Rex. I can't just leave. Rex looked down but Cody could see his jaw clenching. 
I'm sending the coordinates, he said. Criffing, be there. End of chapter two.